Infinite Infrastructure for Tuesday, December 6, 2022. I'd like to welcome the members of the public who are streaming or listening to us live, as well as to the staff and guests who will be participating in today's meeting. Following the guidelines set forth by local and state officials at this time, the members of this commission are meeting remotely to ensure the safety of everyone, including the members of the public. Thank you all for joining us. Madam Secretary, please call the first item. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The first order of business is item one, roll call. Commission members, please respond when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Present. Commissioner Ludlam. Present. Commissioner Commissioner Scott, you see. Uh, Vice Chair Rosales. Present. And Chair Puisto. Present. All members of the commission are present. The next order of business is item two announcements. A, the next regular meeting is scheduled on Tuesday, December 20, 2022 at 1 p.m. B, announcement of public comment procedures. Please be advised a member of the public has up to three minutes to make pertinent public comments on each agenda item, unless the commission adopts a shorter period on any item. During each public comment period, viewers online will be instructed to dial 415-655-0001, enter the access code, which is 2496-0135740, press the pound sign and the pound sign again to enter the call. When prompted, press star three to submit your request to speak. When you dial star three, you will hear the following message. You have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When you hear your line has been unmuted, this is your opportunity to provide your public comments and you will have three minutes. Please speak clearly and slowly and you will be placed back on mute once you are done speaking. You can stay on the line and continue to listen to the meeting. You can also choose to hang up. If you are planning to provide a public comment on any items on today's agenda, it is recommended that you call the public comment line ahead of time to allow you to listen to the meeting live and to prevent you from experiencing delays caused by live streaming. Today's meeting materials are available on our website at ssocii.org under the commission and the public meetings tab. The next order of business is item three, report on action taken at any previous closed session meeting, if any. And, um, there are no reportable actions. The next order of business is item four, matters of unfinished business. There are no matters of unfinished business. The next order of business is item five, matters of new business consisting of consent and regular agenda. Mr. Chair. Thank you, Madam Secretary. To comply with the recent state legislation and to allow us to continue to hold teleconferencing meetings, uh, I'd like to call items number five B out of order and make it the first item on the agenda. Madam Secretary, please call item 5B. We'll be starting with regular agenda item 5B, authorizing the continuation of teleconference meetings and making findings in support thereof under California Government Code Section 54953E, Discussion and Action, Resolution Number 45-2022. Director Kowalski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz, and greetings, Chair Bustos, members of the commission, members of the public. Uh, this item, as you know, is the monthly reauthorization of these teleconference meetings. Under the State Brown Act, we are required to hold publicly accessible meetings. 
And during the COVID emergency, the governor amended the Brown Act under AB 361 in 2021 to allow for these video teleconference styled meetings, as long as the commission makes certain findings on a monthly basis. And the findings declare that there's still a state of emergency that uh, precludes people meeting in person for public safety reasons. Uh, there is still a state of emergency uh, as declared by the governor and thus we are making these findings today and the action before you today allows for this meeting to continue. Thank you. Thank you, Director. Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment? If there are any members of the public wishing to provide comment on item 5C, please call 415-655-0001, answer access code 2496-0135740, press the pound sign twice, and press star three once you're in the call to enter your, uh, to enter your request to speak. If you're already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment on this item, please press star three in your mobile device. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there's any member of the public wishing to comment on this item. Thank you. Hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Commissioners, do you have any questions regarding this item? And if there are no questions, may I get a motion for items number five, item number five B? I move to um, approve item five B. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner Lelam, I think you're about to speak. Yes, I would move to second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5B when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Commissioner Scott, can you hear us? You're on mute, Commissioner. All right. All right. Aye. Thank you. Vice Chair Rosales. Yes. And Chair Fusto. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote is five ayes. Thank you. Motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is the consent agenda. Item 5A is approval of minutes, regular meeting of November 1st, 2022. Mr. Chair. Thank you. Is there anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment, Madam Secretary? At this time, if there are any members of the public wishing to comment on the minutes from November 1st, Please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2496-0135740, press the pound sign twice to enter the call, then press star three to submit your request to speak. If you're already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment on this item, press star three on your phone. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public Okay. Thank you. Hearing no requests to speak on this item, I will close public comment. Commissioners, may I get a motion for this consent item? Mr. Chair, I move that the minutes be approved as is with any necessary corrections. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner Lundum. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote. 
for item 5A when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Aye. Commissioner Ludlam? Aye. Commissioner Scott? Aye. Vice Chair Rosales? Uh, I abstained because I wasn't present. And Chair Pusso? Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote is four ayes and one abstention. Thank you. The motion carries. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Next is the regular agenda, agenda item number 5C, authorizing an extension of the due date for payment of the agency affordable housing fees required under the agreement for purchase and sale of real estate between the successor agency to the redevelopment agency of the city and county of San Francisco and 706 Mission Street Co. LLC, a Delaware limited liability company. Discussion and action, resolution number 46-2022. Director Kislovsky. Thank you, Secretary Cruz. Again, greetings members of the commission, members of the public. This is an item related to authorizing additional time to make a payment due under the purchase and sale agreement for the project at 706 Mission. This, this information will be presented to you in detail by our Deputy General Counsel, Mr. Aaron Foxworthy. Uh, I believe Aaron is present. Aaron, go on ahead. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Director Kozlowski. Good morning, or good afternoon, rather. Chair Bustos and Commissioners, uh, Aaron Foxworthy, Deputy General Counsel and Real Estate Services Manager. Uh, today I'm presenting a request for extension of the payment of the final two installments of an affordable housing fee owed to OCII in association with the development of the 706 Mission Project at 3rd Mission Streets within the former Yerba Buena Center Redevelopment Project area. With me today is Jerry Walsh representing uh, the 706 Mission Owner Developer who can answer any questions you may have of the developer. Next slide, please. Just by way of brief background, in 2013, this commission and the Oversight Board and Department of Finance approved a purchase and sale agreement between OCII and 706 Mission Street Company LLC, which is the developer of this project. The purchase agreement consolidated ownership of public and private parcels for the private development of an up to 510 foot residential tower with approximately 48,000 square feet of cultural space and a 4,800 square foot restaurant space and preserving an existing historically significant building known as the Mercantile Building at 3rd and Mission Street. Next slide, please. This is a rendering of the building which is now complete and the developer is actively uh, selling units, selling uh, condominium units in the building. Next slide, please. So under the purchase agreement, in addition to the purchase price for the land sale, the developer agreed to several community benefits, including payment to OCII of an affordable housing fee, ultimately calculated to be $4.45 million. Um, this was in addition to a $11.1 million affordable housing fee all paid to the city also as required under the purchase agreement. The city, uh, or rather the agency fee is payable in three installments. The first installment of about um, $891,000, which constitutes about 20% of the fee, was due at first building permit and that was paid in 2017. The second installment of about $1.8 million, constituting 40% 40, 40 of the fee, was due upon issuance of the first uh, residential temporary certificate of occupancy or TCO, 
And the third installment, also 40% of about 1.8 million, was due one year after the second installment payment was made. Next slide, please. Developer received its first residential temporary certificate of occupancy in November 2020, which triggered the uh, second installment milestone for the agency fee payment. At that time, as you'll recall, um, that there were traumatic events uh, ongoing in our city and in our nation and indeed in our world. Um, the OCI director exercised her discretionary right under the purchase agreement to extend payment of the second installment by one year from November 2020 to November 2021, at which time both the second and third installments would come due. Next slide, please. Uh, the remaining uh, two installments are currently outstanding, however. Um, since November 2021, OCII staff have had several discussions with the developer on the status of the fee, ultimately culminating in developer's desire for a, an additional extension. The applicable provisions of the purchase agreement allow for a further extension, but only by the commission in its sole discretion. And so therefore, we're here before you today presenting developers request that the commission authorize a further extension of the payment of the agency fee until March 31st, 2023. Next slide, please. So to get specific, section 13.7B of the purchase agreement provides you with the discretionary authority to extend the time for developers performance of any term covenant or condition of the purchase agreement, which includes the agency fee. Staff recommends an extension of the agency fee for the following reasons. Developer states that the current economic conditions have affected the, its expected sales of the project. As a result, the developer is currently seeking to recapitalize the project, which will provide additional funds to continue marketing the project and also to pay the owed agency fee. Developer expects that its anticipated closing of this recapitalization financing will be by March 31st, 2023. Thus, we are recommending that the agency fee be extended until such time as the developer is able to complete its recapitalization. Um, in fact, we're recommending that it be extended slightly past March 31st, which is a Friday. And um, as any of you know who are in real estate financing, sometimes Closings on Fridays go a little haywire. And so we're actually recommending to extend it to April 3rd, the, the following Monday. Next slide, please. Pending your consideration and approval today, the next steps would essentially be continue to, we would issue an uh, official extension to the developer of the agency fee. And we would continue to work with and monitor developers progress on refinancing and report back to you as needed until the agency fee is paid. Um, next slide, please. So that um, that ends my uh, presentation. Um, I'm gonna turn it back over to Jamie. Thank you. Uh, Madam Secretary, uh, first of all, Aaron, thank you for the presentation. Uh, Madam Secretary, is there anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment? At this time, if there are members of the public wishing to comment on item 5C, 
please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2496-013-57400, press the pound sign, then the pound sign again. To enter the call, then press star 3 to submit your request to speak. If you've joined us by phone and would like to provide public comment, please press star 3 now. Mr. Chair, it does not appear there are any members of the public to comment. All right, thank you. So hearing that there are no requests to speak on this item, I will close public comment. And I now would like to ask my fellow commissioners for any questions or comments they may have. If I may, um, I would like to start with Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner, are there any questions or comments that you have? I will go to Commissioner Ludlam. Uh, yes, I have a question. I have a bunch of questions. Um, what is the recapitalization that will happen in the next couple months? And why do you feel confidently that it will succeed on this timeline? Um, and also, why should we do this at all since the fee is now more than two years late? Thank you, Commissioner uh, Go ahead. On the line for uh, on the line for developer um, is Jerry Walsh. Jerry, do you want to speak to the first question with regard to the recapitalization? Uh, sure, happy to. Um, we've been working with uh, a lender and uh, other sources. Um, you know investors who are part of the ownership chain and um, we're confident based upon the status of negotiations that we'll be able to consummate the recapitalization within that time frame. So how much equity and how much debt and what is your current note? Like those, I think that information is confidential. Um, there's significant equity and, and debt involved in the project. Um, uh, I mean, without any information, I don't have any confidence that you'll succeed in four months. Uh, you have a big empty building, um, you have a big note. Uh, so help me see why this is gonna work. We have a term sheet that the developer has negotiated uh, with a capital provider. Uh, they've been in the process. I believe they've gotten the necessary appraisal for the financing. The proceeds of the financing will be sufficient to repay the outstanding mortgage balance. And uh, the other capital providers are, are Yes, on board with the recapitalization efforts and the recapitalization will provide the developer with sufficient time to market and sell the remaining units. Okay, so do you have your expected closing date is on the loan, on the recap is 
Mid we were trying we were trying to close before year end, but given the fact that there's holidays, you know, we're anticipating closing in the first quarter. We're pushing to close as soon as as soon as possible. We'd like to uh, close before the end of the year. Um, the delay has been getting the appraisal. I think the appraisal, my understanding is that the lender's appraisal for the refinancing has been completed and that, you know, we're still pushing to try to close by the end of the year. We had a kickoff call with lenders council last Friday. We provided them with a lot of the diligence material that they, you know, asked for, including, you know, the title and the organizational documents. So we're continuing to be engaged with their council and providing them with answers to any questions that they have regarding title and the structure of the condominium regime. So the, uh, the amount owed is, uh, what, three and a half million remaining, or is it less than that? Uh, the, amount, the amount owing on what the affordable housing fee or yeah, three and a half. Um, and how big is the current note? I mean, that's information. So I'm not sure the exact uh, balance of the current note because of the the paydowns that happen with sales proceeds, but it's you know two hundred fifty million dollars, something like that. Seems to me that three and a half million isn't going to move the needle on the success of this project. Uh, so, how would you describe the negative consequences of us not extending this? Negative consequences? What would we? Uh, I mean, other than you guys needing to write a check now that you don't want to write, it would could adverse. It could adversely affect our ability to consummate the refinancing. Being in default with the agency is not a good fact with respect to our ability to obtain refinancing for the project. Okay, so the negative consequence would be that you have to pay the outstanding fee. No, the uh, the. <laughs> I think the negative consequence might be that we might be unable to consummate the refinancing, which might because you would quit. because you would be unable to pay the fee today. I, I don't know what the whether they have the ability to pay the fee today or not. The request is for the extension. I'm not sure what the negative impact to the mission is for granting the extension. Uh, my concern is that you don't successfully recap the project um, and we have to go get it in bankruptcy. Um, Which I assume we would be in a first position, um, but I don't know that maybe our council could address that. So so there's no plan. So number one is there's no plan to file for bankruptcy. The the developer is is has has no intent to file for bankruptcy. It's a special purpose entity that has restrictions on their ability to do that, and there's no intent to do that. And there's some there's significant the cost of developing the project far exceeded the amount of the secured debt. Um, 
So there's a lot of equity in the project and the request for this extension is to provide sufficient time to recapitalize the project and allow the, the developer to get longer term financing that provides it with time to market and sell the units. So as I understand the discussion here, um, the risk would be you can't recap it because you're in default on this payment. However, there is plenty of equity available to pay this payment. So that seems like it would be a choice of the developers um, to default. Well, so just to be clear, what I said is that there's substantial amount of equity that's previously been invested in the project in developing and completing the project and paying various fees that have already been paid to date. So this would provide us with additional time to get recapitalization to provide the funds necessary to pay the agency fee in addition to providing the developer with more time to market and sell the units uh, with the longer term financing that they obtain. The existing financing was construction debt. Uh, and the, the new financing will be longer less, term, not a permanent, but yeah. Okay. And so will proceeds from future sales go first to paying down the new note, in which case the developers would still have to come out of pocket for this fee or Will funds from future sales be available for OCII fees? The proposed terms of the financing would be an allocate. There's minimum release prices, but there's an allocation of proceeds that would be available for the developer to pay operating expenses, including um, including fees that are payable. As you may recall, under the purchase and sale agreement, as each unit is sold, there's a transfer fee that's paid in addition to the transfer tax. That's the county uh, transfer tax. So as units are sold, transfer fees will be paid to the agency in addition to the transfer taxes that are paid. But in addition to that, there will be an allocation of the net sales proceeds above the release price between the developer There'll be, a, there'll be a reserve basically that will be made available to the developer to pay operating expenses, including agency or other fees that are payable in the future. So how many units need to be sold to uh, create reserve funds for this fee? So for this fee, this fee would be paid after the, you know, within the time frame that you're talking about, so, you know, within the next, I guess, three and a half months or whatever that April 3rd date amounts to. So those, the, 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 that fee would get paid within that time frame. Um, and, you know, future reserves would be established based upon the velocity of sales of units. We're not asking for any extension of any other fees that are doing that may be doing payable, including the transfer fees, which will get paid as each unit or is sold. Commissioner Ludlam, if I could just interject a little bit, um, 
I think what the developer has proposed up until now, and I haven't heard anything from Mr. Walsh that sounds different, is that the recapitalization will provide the equity to pay the fee. They're not relying on additional condominium sales to pay the fee. Is that right, Mr. Walsh? That's correct. Okay. So what? Because you had thrown out a bunch of different information about different fees and um, other financing activity, but I just want to be clear that the recapitalization will provide you the equity to pay the fee. You're not relying on other sale uh, condominium sales or other sources for the that's, fee. That's correct. It's not obvious to me now how paying this then versus now will make any difference other than convenience to the developers of not having to distribute this money now, which was owed more than two years ago. Uh, that's what I take from this conversation. Um, I want to correct you on that, Commissioner Ludlum. The fee was not due more than two years ago. It was due a year a year ago, November 2021. Well, November 2020. Uh, it was extended pursuant to the PSA. So it was due November 2021. It was never due 2020. It was, but per, according to the provisions of the PSA, it was extended, effectively eliminating that due date. At OCII's discretion. Then, That's correct. That's correct. Out of kindness in our hearts. Can't speak to the kindness. I like that. So we, um, so we appreciate we we appreciate the commission's uh, prior extension of the due date. Um, there were some, uh, I think, once in a century uh, situations that we've all had to deal with, uh, which I think we're continuing to deal with, given the fact that this meeting is being held remotely. So we appreciate the accommodations that the commission has made to date and hopefully that you'll agree to this further recommendation by your staff. Commissioner Lund, any other questions or comments? No, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner. Uh, Commissioner Brackett. Um, yes, I just had um, two quick questions. Um, just wanted to get a handle on how many units have been sold in the um, property and how much are left to be sold. So it's so, my understanding. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go my ahead. understanding that approximately 14 units have sold and that there would be a, a handful of units have been leased and that there would be another, you know, 132 units that are for sale. And what was the initial sale date um, that um, units started to be um, available to purchasers? Um, I think the probably um, February of 2021, I think, maybe was the around approximately. And um, my final question is, um, in your 
kind of best way of explaining the marketplace in terms of the possibility of um, selling the additional hundred or so units um, that pretty much haven't sold in the last year and a half, two years. Um, I know you guys have um, a marketing plan in place or are looking to do more marketing, but how realistic is it for you guys to be able to sell those hundred and something units in the next year or two, considering we're in the current economic condition that you um, have stated previously? So one of the reasons why we're looking for the recapitalization and the refinancing is to provide us more time than a year or two to sell the remaining, uh, the re remaining units. So it's longer term financing. Number two is um, I think everyone will acknowledge that um, you know, vaccines and the conditions, um, although I guess there's some uptick in COVID uh, infections that's spiking in California right now, but uh, the conditions, I think, in terms of just the economy and travel and uh, or open today than it was in 2021 or the first part of 2022. So I think the, the hope is that as uh, the economy continues to open up that um, marketing uh, will be more successful. Thank you for your answers. I just wanted to note also for the record that I'm concerned that there's such a large number of market rate um, units available in the marketplace that haven't moved um, at all. Um, and so these are some things that we're going to have to talk about and consider as a commission um, when we discuss, you know, the ratios of market rate versus affordable housing moving forward. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner Scott. Hmm. I am, um, you know, weighing all that's been asked and the responses and considering COVID. And my thoughts are at knowing how much we need affordable housing. Um, just within my thoughts and judgment personally is to trust your purpose and plan um, and the equity that you have within the project in hopes that you will be able to accomplish this. So I am thinking um, and trusting in favor of your ask. Thank you. And that's it. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. Vice Chair Rosales. Uh, <clears throat> thank you, Chair Bustos. Um, I would agree with Commissioner Scott, and I appreciate uh, you know the detailed questions of the, my fellow commissioners. Uh, but given that this is the first request to the commission, and given the circumstances uh, with the general economy, I'm willing to be flexible and uh, support staff recommendation. Thank you, Vice Chair Rosales. Um, thank you so much for the presentation and uh, Mr. Walsh, thank you for your, your answers. Um, I have a question and it's it's regarding, um, and maybe we need to talk about how um, either it's connected to this project still or not, but I understand that um, 
the the cultural space that was supposed to be delivered um, hasn't been delivered in the appropriate way that it had been planned. I understand that the staircase um, had been filled in by the developer when it was supposed to have been an open staircase leading from one floor to the next. Do we know where, where that's at in terms of being uh, corrected? The management and oversight of construction of the cultural component is the responsibility of the city. Okay. So that question would be appropriately directed at the city. My understanding is that the developer, the museum, and the city have been in lengthy conversations about whether the construction of the cultural component as built was performed in accordance with the various agreements that govern it. Yeah, it wasn't. And it was a difference of opinion on that. Well, no, it's a fact because I was on I was on the commission that approved it the design of the building. So I know for a fact it wasn't done in an appropriate way. Well, I'm not sure it's appropriate to make that kind of a definitive comment in an uh, open hearing, but um, there is a dispute amongst the developer, the museum, and the city with regard to that. Uh, and it's an ongoing dispute with regard to that question. So uh, just my understanding um, is that, well, two, two points. The developer has completed the cultural component uh, in compliance with the, its obligations. The, the, the developer is only responsible for building the core and shell of the cultural component. And the developer has fulfilled those obligations and is prepared to develop title to the cultural component to the city and has offered to do so. Um, my understanding is that the city and the Mexican Museum were in a dispute regarding perhaps that stairway that you're talking about. Um, and the developer actually is not a party to that dispute or adversary proceeding. Um, and, you know, we're happy to convey the title to the cultural component to the city. The city is a party to a lease with the Mexican Museum, which which I believe governs the fit out of the space inside the, the core and shell. Mm -hmm. But we're happy to convey the title to the the core and shell to the cultural component to the city as as, as soon as possible. Okay, I'm just saying that if you did deliver the 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 core and shell, uh, and the city told you to do something that should not have been done then that's something we need to have a conversation, maybe all three of us with the city. Because to expect the museum to undo what wasn't supposed to have been done, and I know there's a dispute on how it was notified to the museum, but we just, that's something we need to consider. Um, thank you, Mr. Walsh. Um, Appreciate it. All right. So, um, Let's see, commissioners, um, we need to call the question uh, regarding the extension uh, and this request. So um, I will need to get a motion for 5C and I would need a second in order for it to be considered. Miguel, I have one other quick question that yes. we addressed earlier, I'm sorry. Yes, commissioner. Really quick question. Um, what will happen if we approve this and they aren't able to secure the loan by March 31st? 
maybe that's a question for our general counsel. General Counsel Morales, are you there? Yes, yes. Uh, President Bustos, members of the commission, uh, if there's a failure to pay uh, the fee after the ex extended time, then uh, the agency would proceed to put the developer in default under the PSA. And there would be an opportunity for the developer to, to cure that, but we'd have a process that we would go through uh, with a notice of default opportunity to cure. And then finally, uh, if there is no payment in a, uh, issuing an event of default. Notice of event of default. Commissioner Brackett, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Um, especially considering um, there's been an extension in the past, even though it wasn't done by us. Um, I'm inclined to offer some support, but I don't see myself offering another extension past this one. So just wanted to know what were the next steps should the default be something that we're dealing with in the next couple months. Okay, thank you, Commissioner. So um, I'm gonna call the question again. Um, do I have a motion for item number five C? And if so, may I have a second? I move item, oh, well, Commissioner, I can defer to you, Commissioner Scott. Uh, Mr. Chair, I move that we authorize the extension of the due date for payment of the agency affordable housing fee uh, required under the agreement for purchase and sale of real estate. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I will second the motion. Okay, we have a motion and a second to approve the extension through item number 5C. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5C when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett? Aye. Commissioner Ludlum? No. Commissioner Scott? Aye. Vice Chair Rosales? Aye. And Chair Bustos. Uh, I'll abstain. I'm sorry, you said you will abstain? Yes. Mr. Chair, the vote is three ayes, one nay, and one abstention. So motion carries. Thank you. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. So I, I, thank you very much. I think I can depart now. Yes, you can. Thank you very much. Appreciate your time and cooperation and support. Next uh, agenda item numbers 5C and 5E related to the Transway Block 3 Park will be presented together but acted on separately. Item 5D is conditionally approving the schematic design for the Transway Block 3 Park and Streetscape Improvements Project, adopting environmental findings pursuant to the California Environmental Quality Act and providing notice that this action is within the scope of the Transbay Terminal, Caltrain Downtown Extension, Redevelopment Project Final Environmental Impact Statement, Environmental Impact Report, or FEIS EIR, a program EIR, and is adequately described in the FEIS EIR for purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act, Transbay Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action, Resolution Number 47 
2022. Item 5E is authorizing an amended and restated memorandum of understanding with the city and county of San Francisco acting through its public works department and its recreation and parks department to complete the design and engineering of Transit Block 3 Park and Streetscape Improvements Project and to increase expenditure authority for these services by $3,765,045 for an aggregate amount not to exceed $7,660,658 and providing notice that this action is within the scope of the Transbay Terminal Caltrain Downtown Extension Redevelopment Project Final Environmental Impact Statement Environmental Impact Report or FEIS EIR a program EIR and is adequately described in the FEIS EIR for purposes of the California Environmental Quality Act, Transbay Redevelopment Project Area, Discussion and Action Resolution Number 48-2022. Director Koslowski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz, and greetings again, members of the commission, members of the public. You have two items before you that are related. Um, you receive a single presentation um, led by the staff uh, of OCII and you will be voting on the items separately. The first item is for a schematic design related to the Transbay Block 3 Park. The Block 3 Park is located on the temporary terminal, bus terminal site on the corner of Howard and Main. And that will be presented by the OCII's um, landscape architect, excuse me, uh, Laura Shifley, <laughs> Laura's title is Associate Planner and Urban Designer. I'm always called her a landscape architect. She's not a landscape architect, but that'll be presented by Laura Shifley. Online also is Department of Public Works, Landscape Architecture representatives. And then the second item, which is the Memorandum of Understanding with the Department of Public Works and the Rec Park Department will be presented by the Transbay Project Manager, Benjamin Brandon. It'll be a single presentation. So. Laura, you're up for the schematic design. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much, Director Koslowski. And good afternoon, commissioners. So again, Laura Shifley, Planner and Project Lead for the Transbay Block 3 Park and Streetscape Improvements Project at OCAI. And we're very pleased to be here today to present these items. Next slide. And again, today we're seeking commission approval of two action items. And the first is the schematic design for the Park and Streetscape Improvements Project. And next slide. And the second item, which will be presented um, following the schematic design item by um, Transbay Project Manager, Benjamin Brandon, is for authorizing an amended and restated MOU with the Recreation and Parks Department and the Public Works Department to broaden the, broad, the project scope and increase the value for services um, by the amounts listed here in order to complete the design, engineering, and project management services for the Transbay Block 3 Park and Streetscape Improvements Project from concept design through award of construction. Next slide. Some background, the Transbay Redevelopment uh, Plan was adopted in 2005 and OCAI will maintain land use authority there until the plan expires in 2035. And here on the left, you can see zones one and two of the Transbay Redevelopment Project area. The planning department has oversight of zone two and OCII has jurisdiction in zone one. The park, this park and streetscape project is located in zone one on the former TJPA Transbay temp bus terminal site. 
and the redevelopment plan, the design for development, and the streetscape and open space concept plan. Those documents all specify that the project area will include a central public park. This valuable public open space amenity will complete the urban design vision for the Trans Bay District. The Block 3 Park will be located on the middle parcel of the recently subdivided Temp Terminal Block, which is bounded by Howard, Beale, Folsom, and Main Streets. The park parcel is close to one acre, and it will be framed by two mixed-use developments on Trans Bay Blocks 2 and 4. And the design for the residential portion of Blocks 2 and 4 include townhome units uh, with individual stoops that will frame the park. And there are also ground floor retail and childcare spaces planned along Clementina and Tahoma streets that provide active frontage along those park edges. Next slide, please. The project is a collaborative effort between multiple agencies, and those include OCII, San Francisco Public Works, and the San Francisco Recreation and Parks Department, or RPD as we'll refer to them. Uh, we are also working with the San Francisco Art Commission's Civic Design Review Board, and we're also participating in the public art program to commission a permanent art piece for the park. The East Cut CBD is serving as a programming partner and is guiding the process to select a name for the new park. As the current landowner and project sponsor, we, OCAI, are funding design and construction of the park. And as the intended park owner, RPD, RPD is guiding the park design in partnership with OCAI. And with its technical design and public construction expertise, Public Works is providing project management, design, and engineering services. Next slide, please. In terms of project schedule, we've completed the schematic design phase, and we will next delve into detailed design development and construction documents. The project schedule assumes start of construction in late 2023 and the park opening to the public in late 2025. Next slide. Uh, some neighborhood contexts uh, surrounding neighborhood open spaces have informed the new park program. So there's Rincon Park at the waterfront to the east, which includes an open grassy area and a dog park. Uh, there's another feature park to the west, and internally at OCI, um, the project name for this park is Under Ramp Park. It'll have a new name in the future, um, but that park is envisioned to have an active program, including sports courts, a pavilion building with retail kiosks, a beer garden, a fitness area, and a dog park as well. And the elevated Salesforce Park to the north is a closely managed and programmed park with botanical garden features. And so the design of this Block 3 park acknowledges this context and does not duplicate existing programming, but instead provides flexible space for neighborhood residents and offers workers to gather. Here's the existing site. Uh, it's the existing temp terminal site surrounded by high-rise, mixed-use residential and commercial buildings. And currently the site is being activated with interim uses. Next slide. So the project is comprised of the new park parcel shown here in green, as well as streetscape improvements to the adjacent Clementina, Tahama, Main and Beale Street rights-of-way framing the park. And those are shown in orange and yellow. Specifically, the project's scope of work consists of the park design and construction, street design and improvements to the new extensions of Clementina and Tahama streets framing the park, and improvements to the existing Main and Beale Street rights-of-way. Clementina Street would be constructed alongside the park, and the Block 4 developer will construct Tahama Street. 
There will be new signalized crossings at the corners of Clementina leading to the park ac across Main and Beale Streets. And then raised crosswalks will be built at each corner as well as at the mid block of Clementina Street, which is at the south of the park. This new mid block crossing is aligned with the pedestrian muse that connects from the park down the middle of block two to Folsom Street. Next slide, please. Uh, the park design concept was informed by three key components and those are comprehensive community engagement, climate responsive design and site specific design. The public planning process included a series of four community meetings and feedback from each meeting informed and advanced the park program and design. As for the approvals process, the Transbay CAC, RPD's Capital Committee, and the RPD Commission have all unanimously approved of and referred the park project design to the OCII Commission. And now I'll hand the presentation over to Lawrence Cuevas, a landscape architect at Public Works, and he will describe the park design and programming. So take it away, Lawrence. All right, thank you, Laura. Um, next slide, please. So this slide includes the community's four major desired park program elements, including a large flexible plaza for programmed events such as you know, community gatherings, events, um, and this would be next to the stewardship building a variety of gathering spaces to accommodate groups of different sizes throughout the park, a variety of seating options from movable tables and chairs and flexible plazas to fixed seat walls and benches throughout the park, and finally a new playground providing space for both toddler and school-aged children to play, and the scale of that playground is similar to the scale found at South Park. If you look at the right of the board, you can see a little key plan that shows generally how these spaces are arranged throughout the park, as well as pedestrian circulation. And um, we can look at a little bit closer how this all comes together on the next slide. So this is our illustrative site plan. Um, it again arrange, uh, shows how we've arranged all of these desired programs around the site. And it's really sort of based on the concept of the clearing, which um, organizes all of the park programming around a central habitat and nestles it into a perimeter of trees. So the design is, uh, the park is designed to serve the neighborhood's diverse community of residents and workers and includes a network of pedestrian paths, variety of open spaces and decks for community gathering, that children's play area, a nature exploration area linking that children's play area with the habitat meadow, a new park building called the Stewardship Building adjacent to Beale Street. It's approximately 460 square feet and will house a restroom, rec park storage, and community stewardship space, variety of seating options throughout the park, and a dog relief area adjacent to the Main Street Living Street sidewalk. The illustrative section at the bottom is a cut through the park between Beale and Main Street and shows that we generally have a pretty flat site and so we're achieving sort of height, volume, and sort of a sense of topography um, through the, the kind of lushness of the tree perimeter. This schematic design meets the strategic goals and strategies of our joint partner agencies, including Public Works, OCII, and Rec Park Department. And so in particular, some of the Rec Park strategies met include to inspire a sense of place, to inspire play, and to inspire an investment. Uh, next slide. These next few slides will take a closer look at various park areas uh, here, starting with the park edges. Um, so we are including park, uh, or I'm sorry, tree planting and furnishings on the park edges to buffer the park from adjacent buildings and streets. 
The stewardship building is located on the edge facing Beale Street on the west side of the park. On the east side of the park, a dog relief area again is located next to the Main Street living street design. Um, it is worth noting that there will be no off-leash dog play areas in this park. Next slide. The flexible plaza is a large paved area located between the stewardship building and the central habitat. This will be sort of the community hub with flexible tables and chairs stewarded by the East Cut CBD and provide space for gatherings, performances, and other uses. Next slide. So the park centers around a large habitat meadow, which will be a sustainable, climate resilient, and biodiversity supporting landscape. This meadow will enhance the sense of respite from the surrounding urban environment, strengthen park visitors' connection to nature and their understanding of sustainability, and showcase the beauty of our region's natural landscape. The landscape architecture team will be working with local experts to further develop this design to maximize the habitat value of our park site. Next slide. The main deck, uh, which is located in the sunniest spot of the park year-round, is another space for community gathering. It'll be a nice, warm, soft space for everything from group uh, activities such as group exercise or picnics to individual activities like reading a book, listening to a podcast, um, and just enjoying the sun. And it'll provide nice views out onto that central habitat as well as the rest of the park. Next slide. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention the materiality of that wood deck, as well as the other wood decks throughout the park. Materiality and form references the wood chips that were once common in this area and were vital to San Francisco's economic development and uh, maritime history. Um, in fact, we actually have reports from our archaeological team that there may be two of these ships buried under the site. So just uh, a little bit of the material inspiration of the park. Um, here we have the playground, um, again, referencing history of the park. This was inspired by the intertidal zone origins of our site. This was actually, this park is located on what used to be the shoreline of San Francisco. And so if you look at the lower left-hand corner, you can see the sort of gentle sloping topography of the intertidal zone. And we're referencing that in the park playground design by having two main levels at the main level or at the lower level that is adjacent to the park. Um, plaza, we've got the toddler aged play area. Raised 18 inches above that is the school aged play area, and the two spaces are linked by gentle topography, which provides circulation as well as additional play value. Between those two spaces and uh, linking them is the family deck, which provides picnic seating as well as other types of seating. Um, and again, you know, it's just another one of the multiple decks throughout the park site. The park material or the playground materiality again is focusing on natural materials. Um, we're looking at a wood pelican structure here, uh, which is an important and iconic species in the San Francisco Bay Area um, environment. And next slide. This slide uh, shows our tree planting approach. And so all of the trees within the park and along the park edges were selected with four main criteria. Uh, one is to include both deciduous and evergreen species to provide seasonal interests, such as fall color or spring flowers. They're selected to provide habitat for birds and insects, again, meeting our biodiversity goals. Um, to soften the scale of the adjacent buildings, provide buffers against the street edges, as well as to provide some buffering against the wind in the area. The trees at the park's edges follow the Transbay Redevelopment Area's streetscape design guidelines, um, and that allows them to tie into neighborhood uh, adjacent neighborhood block designs. And finally, the tree species are selected to um, 
They're proven in San Francisco and they are on San Public Works recommended street tree list. On the next slide, we'll talk about landscape planting. So again, similar to the tree palette, the understory and habitat meadow planting will provide aesthetic and seasonal interest throughout the year, as well as habitat value and climate resilience. The plant selection meets our city's strategic goals by conforming to California's water efficient landscape ordinance, meeting the state's 15% water reduction goal from 2020 standards, adhering to the Board of Supervisors biodiversity policy, emphasizing native species selected to support local and migratory wildlife, and providing adaptability to climate change in anticipation of a warmer and drier, drier climate. Next slide. So the top of the slide includes a summary of the feedback we received during community meetings one through four. Again, out of the three concepts developed, the community voted in favor of the clearing, and the community also voted strongly in favor of including a restroom in the park. The bottom slide includes the constructive critiques received from the San Francisco Arts Commission civic design review process. The final design of the stewardship building was shaped by the collaborative design charrettes between our architects and the San Francisco Art Commissioners during that civil, civil design review process. And so the feedback that most influenced the final design of the building included the desire to locate a restroom near the playground to provide storage space for maintenance equipment and a space to store community activation elements such as movable tables and chairs. The preference to simplify the building form and massing and for a warm material palette. The goal to design a simple, tranquil, and beautifully detailed small structure within the park. The desire to illuminate the building at night to provide a warm, welcoming glow. And finally, to treat the roof as, as a fifth facade, considering the visibility of this building from above uh, by the adjacent neighbors. And so on the next slide, we can see an image of this building. Here you can see the view of the, the building from Beale Street, and it here it anchors the west side of the park and is nestled into a grove of trees. There are four openings into the building. On this slide, you can see the two that access the rec park storage area. Those are the, the openings are shown in sort of the wood slat material here in the closed position. And so this building is crafted as a quiet, modern building of linear stone, wood light slats, and channel glass. And so the building's linear form uh, reinforces the street edge along Beale Street and, in, and houses the park signage. And the material composition of tactile stone, this kind of glowing glass and delicate wood light sliding harmonizes with the park design um, and it's the building's location within a street bosque of trees. Next slide. Here we see the park or the building at night. At night, the building acts as a glowing jewel within the park. It has in-grade linear wall washes around the perimeter at the paving grade to uplight the building, as well as low-profile LED strip lighting atop the CMU walls, which helps highlight the, the roof line. In addition to the building lighting, the electrical design team will work closely with the landscape architecture and architecture team to ensure the park will be illuminated safely um, at night and to avoid uh, light pollution as well. And per rec park request, we're working with the security consultant to install security cameras on site. Next slide. Now we're gonna look at just some illustrative renderings. Uh, here we see the view from that main deck, looking out onto the central habitat and towards uh, the, the central deck in the center there. In the very background, you can see that sculptural pelican play structure, as well as the children's play area. And you'll also notice around the perimeter of that kind of dent, that um, really lush uh, kind of 
soft buffer of trees that lines this entire perimeter of the park. Next slide. Here we see the park as viewed from the northwest corner. Um, you see the stewardship building here on the right, um, the planting perimeter on the left, and you get the sense of that sort of flexible plaza with movable tables and chairs and how it's all kind of, you know, nestled within this beautiful setting of a park, um, a row of trees. And so really kind of softening that entrance, providing flexible spaces, and really um, providing spaces that people can engage with in a really meaningful way. Next slide. And here we are, a more zoomed out bird's eye view, floating above the um, the children's play area in the northwest corner or the southwest corner of the park, overlooking the central habitat. In the very left lower left hand corner, you can see a little bit of that family deck. In the center, you can see the central deck located within the habitat, and then in the very back corner, you can see the largest of the three decks, which is the main deck nestled into that grove of trees and providing space for multiple types of uses. Um, it's also worth noting that as part of the, oh, actually, I think that was it. Laura, it sounds like I think you'll do the Arts Commission portion, so thank you. Thank you, Lawrence. A quick summary of the art process. The, the park design itself is subject to the San Francisco Arts Commission Civic Design Review process that Lawrence touched on. And that design review board is comprised of five design professionals whose mission is to ensure that projects enhance the public realm and respect the natural environment. Um, these review processes occur at sub subsequent design phases and the park design has has received phase one and phase two design approval from that board and the next review will be of the phase three construction documents. OCII is also voluntarily participating in the public art program to commission a permanent art piece for the park that will become part of the city's civic art collection. 2% of the final estimated construction costs are allocated for art enrichment. Uh, the Arts Commission is managing the art enrichment process for selecting and implementing public art. And goals for that public art piece include that it be inspired by both the site and the proposed park design, including natural habitats, physical landscape, site history, sustainability, and program. The artwork will be designed in a manner that deters potential vandalism and can be easily maintained. And the artist selection panel includes an arts commissioner, arts professionals, as well as rep representation from Rec and Park, the OCII Commission, and the Trans Bay CAC. Uh, that's the second review panel was held in August of this year. And in September, the Arts Commission approved the Visual Arts Committee recommendation of Mark Vo Sasaki as the selected artist finalist. Next slide. And quick summary of the schematic design conditions of approval uh, includes stand standard design conditions such as um, sustainability, lighting, signage, and graffiti resistant materials. The final park name will be determined through a community outreach process led by the East Cut CBD. And next, Benjamin Brandon, OCAI's Transbay Product Manager, Manager, will present the MOU amendment item, and he'll also provide more context about the park naming process. Thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. Good afternoon, Chair Bustos, Vice Chair Rosales, Commissioners, and Executive Director Kozlowski. I'm Ben Brandon, Transbay Project Manager, and I'll be presenting item 5E on today's agenda, which is the proposed amended and restated memorandum of understanding for the Transbay Block 3 Park and uh, Streetscape Improvements Project. 
Before I get started, I want to inform you that the Commission Secretary uh, this morning recirculated an updated version of the amended and restated MOU Commission memo, which includes the correction of a typographical error regarding the project's SBE participation percentage. The memo uh, that was initially sent to the commissioners in your packet stated that the percentage was 58.1%, uh, whereas the corrected memo updates that value to um, the actual number, which is 93%. Next slide, please. So I'm before you today to seek the approval of an amended and restated memorandum of understanding or MOU between San Francisco Public Works, the Recreation and Parks Department and OCII for the Transbay Park and Alleys project. The amended MOU expands Public Works' scope of work under the original 2018 MOU, which was specific to the Block 3 Park only. San Francisco Public Works' expanded scope of work under this amended MOU will now cover design and engineering services for the park, streetscape improvements to Main and Beale streets, as well as the new extensions of Tahama and Clementina streets. Additionally, the amended MOU adds the Recreation and Parks Department as a project partner. Since OCII is required to transfer its assets to the city per redevelopment dissolution law, RPD is the anticipated owner and operator of the park. Therefore, through the amended uh, MOU, RPD will oversee and approve the park's design. The proposed amendment would increase the MOU budget by nearly $3.8 million for an aggregate not to exceed amount of $7,660,658 for Public Works and RPD to complete the design, engineering, contract administration, and project management services. Next slide, please. OCII is responsible for the development of Transbay Zone 1 infrastructure and parks, and we do this partly by, uh, or by partnering with city agencies for their services. In September of 2018, the Commission approved an MOU between OCII and Public Works for the design and project management of the park. OCII is the developer of the park and is funding its design and eventual construction. And we hired Public Works to provide project management design and engineering, contract administration, and bid advertisement services for the park. Next slide, please. The 2018 MOU covered Public Works' services beginning in the concept design phase of the park and continuing through construction bid advertisement. In addition to the park's design and engineering, Public Works' other scopes um, under the 2018 MOU, many of which have already been completed, included public outreach regarding the park's concept design, project management, design, and engineering services for both the park's uh, concept and schematic design, managing the work of other city agencies, including SFMTA and the PUC, overseeing project consultants, cost estimation services, ensuring that the park's design complies with all city requirements that apply to OCII projects, and also ensuring that all project-related contracts comply with OCII's SBE policies. Next slide, please. The total public works fee for services um, under the 2018 MOU was broken into two categories, base management and service fees, and then uh, also allowances for as needed services. The base fees derive from actual proposals from San Francisco Public Works divisions and other city agency staff, whereas the allowances for as needed services were based on estimates from other San Francisco Public Works projects. The 2018 MOU uh, base services sum to just under $2.7 million, 
and the total allowances amounted to $1.2 million. The total MOU value was a not to exceed uh, amount of $3.9 million. Next slide, please. As many of you might recall, shortly after the opening of the Salesforce Transit Center in late summer 2018, a broken beam was discovered there um, compromising the operational safety of the transit center and necessitating the reactivation of the temporary Transbay terminal. Consequently, OCII had to place the Block 3, par uh, Block 3 Park's design on hold for one year. The delay served as an opportunity to understand uh, the needs of the Transbay Blocks 2 and 4 projects such that OCII could take more of a master-planned approach to developing the temp terminal site. This work identified opportunities for OCII to expand the scope of the original 2018 MOU beyond just the development of the park, and it proposed the following additions. Because the park will be transferred to the city, OCII engaged RPD, now the park's intended future owner, to provide design oversight services. Streetscape and design of Main and Beale Streets uh, abutting blocks two, three, and four were also added. The new street extensions of Tahama and Clementina were new scopes uh, as well. We included pedestrian improvements and assumption of infrastructure improvements that would defray costs away from the block two affordable housing projects to improve their financial fe feasibility. And finally, OCII chose to participate in the Arts Commission's Art Enrichment Program which as you heard Laura explain, will bring a public art element to the park. Uh, Chair Bustos and Commissioner Ludlam, um, as well as a longstanding member of the Transbay Citizens Advisory Committee, participated in the artist selection process. While these decisions contributed to an expanded scope of work and budget for the project beyond the 2018 MOU, the moves were calculated to ensure the most efficient and cost-effective delivery of blocks two, three, and four these choices are also intended to deliver a cohesive design for all three of the blocks. Next slide, please. The Transbay Redevelopment Plan serves as the blueprint for improvements in the entire district. The Planning Department's Transit Center District Plan built upon the Redevelopment Plan, and together they detail the open space and infrastructure improvements for the area. On the previous slide, I discussed the MOU, um, the new MOU scopes of work initiated by OCII. And here I will address the scope additions stemming from new city agency infrastructure projects with which we will need to coordinate. So during the time that OCII was evaluating scope expansions of the 2018 MOU, various city agencies with jurisdiction over public space in the Transbay District initiated new projects with which our project with, with, with which our park and expanded streetscape improvement project would need to coordinate. MTA initiated two bike infrastructure projects, one each along Beale and Main Streets. The active Beale two-way cycle track and then the Main Street bike lane are these two projects. Additionally, there were two scope changes to the park, um, which you heard about. Stemming from community demand for a bathroom within the park, we added the stewardship building. And since the park now includes a building that will be owned by the city, the Arts Commission performed civic design review, steward, uh, civic design review of that stewardship building. Lastly, the PUC has initiated sewer line replacements and repaving projects along Main and Beale Streets that require coordination with all three OCII-sponsored projects at the former Temp Terminal site. Next slide, please. To summarize the roles of the agency parties to the proposed 2022 MOU amendment, OCII will continue to serve as the project's developer and financial sponsor. 
Public's work, Public Works' role has expanded to providing project management, design, and engineering for the park and the expanded streetscape and infrastructure improvements. The Recreation and Parks Department will provide design oversight for the park. Next slide, please. Like the structure of the 2018 MOU, the total Public Works fee for services under the proposed uh, amendment is broken into two categories, base management and service fees, and consultant fees and allowances uh, for as-needed services. The, MOU, the amended MOU will add nearly $3.8 million to the original 2018 MOU budget. Each of, the city, of the, each of these city agency projects that I described earlier increase the coordination complexity of the Block 3 Park and Streetscapes Improvement Project, but they will also produce benefits for OCII's Transway Blocks 2, 3, and 4 projects and the district overall. In particular, the coordinated infrastructure projects are good examples of the city's various agencies and OCII collaborating to deliver improvements more efficiently rather than doing them sequentially. Therefore, OCII staff has evaluated the $3.8 million increase and believes it is warranted given the complexity of coordinating this more efficient delivery of the improvements. Next slide, please. Here is an illustrative plan uh, for the project based on the proposed 2022 MOU amendment scope of work. In addition to the park, you can clearly see uh, the addition of Tahama and Clementina Street extensions, each with raised crosswalks to prioritize pedestrian safety and traffic calming. Tahama runs parallel to the top of the park in this graphic, and Clementina runs parallel to the bottom of the park. The graphic also shows the cohesive streetscape designs for Main and Beale, along blocks two, three, and four, and the interface with the Beale Street two-way cycle track, which is shown to the left of the park in this graphic. The Main Street bike lane is not shown in this graphic because it will run along the east side of that street. Next slide, please. Here is the detailed breakdown of the base services that will be provided by Public Works, MTA, and PUC. As you can see in the note at the bottom, of the slide, each of their respective scopes also includes a 15% contingency to cover overruns for services that could not be anticipated at the time that Public Works prepared the MOU budget based on proposals from colleagues at Public Works, MTA, and the PUC. Next slide, please. Here we have a summary of the full proposed amendment scope of work, which is inclusive of both the 2018 scope of work and the new services. I've covered much of this detail on earlier slides, so I'm not going to repeat each of the items below. Generally, the proposed added scope for the 2022 MOU amendment involves the addition of RPD as the design client and an intended future owner of the park, public outreach work um, performed by Public Works to establish the park's concept and schematic designs, the design and engineering of two new streets being Clementina and Tahama, streetscape design and coordination along Main and Beale streets, the addition of a new stewardship building within the park, the, the addition of a public element, a public art element within the park. One scope item that was not previously mentioned um, is that OCII did ask the design team to analyze the feasibility of incorporating the Transbay Block 5 Art Deco Pavilion, which some of you may recall as the former hot dog stand that used to occupy the Block 5 site. And we asked them to look into whether or not um, it could be designed into the Block 3 park project. Ultimately, we determined that the Block 5 Pavilion could not be added to Block 3 due to space constraints, but I'm pleased to share with you all that we did find uh, both a new home and use for the structure in the Under Ramp Park project, and that will be presented to you in the new year. 
Next slide, please. The final park name shall be determined through a community-led process for, uh, of outreach and engagement. The Transbay Block 3 Park will be a city park, and for all such facilities, RPD partners with local constituent groups to coordinate uh, the facility naming process. The community group leading the park's naming process is the East Cut CBD, which serves the broader East Cut uh, and Transbay neighborhoods, as well as Rincon Hill. There are five steps in the naming process. The first one is naming ideation, uh, generating possible names. Um, this was complete. This has already been completed. Um, the second uh, step is community voting, um, a poll that we had open for a few weeks um, to take votes on the names. That is also complete. Uh, after that, uh, there will be a reporting of the voting results in a forthcoming second community meeting. Uh, there will be a community support period um, once a, a lead name has been selected. Or, um, or recommended. And then the final recommended name of the park will go to the RPD Commission um, for approval and adoption. As far as the current status of the park naming effort, Recreation and Parks has, re has reached out to the Native American tribes about um, playing a role in the naming process, given that the park is located at the edge of the original Bay shoreline, which was the historical home of many local tribes. Next slide, please. As you heard earlier in the schematic design portion of the presentation, in the new year, the design team will be working on the production of design development and construction documents for the project. And we anticipate construction start towards the end of 2023 with the park opening near the end of 2025. Next slide, please. This concludes our block three uh, park and alleys schematic design and amended and restated MOU presentation. With me to answer any questions regarding the MOU item, are Kathleen O'Day, Public Works Project Manager, Charles Higueras, Public Works Director of Project Management, and Monica Scott, Recreation and Parks Department Project Manager. Thank you very much, and Laura and I are also happy to address any of the Commissioner's questions. Thank you, Benjamin, Lawrence, and Laura for a fine presentation. Uh, Madam Secretary, do we have anybody from the public who wishes to provide a comment on this item? At this time, if there are any members of the public wishing to comment on these items, please call 415-655-0001, access code 2496-0135740, press the pound sign twice to enter the call, then press star three to submit your request to speak. If you're already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment, please press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Chair, I do not see any members of the public requesting a comment on this item. Okay, thank you. Uh, hearing no requests to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. I'll now turn to my fellow commissioners for any questions or comments they may have. Uh, Commissioner Ludlam, any questions or comments? Thank you, Chair. Um, I have a question uh, about how our SBE numbers are calculated because uh, it seems to me that the majority of the money is going to public works. So are they counted in that figure? We get to the new numbers, what, 90 something percent? Hello, Commissioner Ludlam. This is Benjamin Brandon, Transway Project Manager. Um, to be clear, the MOU for, excuse me, the uh, the memorandum for the schematic design portion of this item 
uh, also touched on the SBE uh, participation number. That number actually included, or that memo included the correct number of 93%. Um, it was my memo uh, that had the incorrect number at 58%. Uh, we do have um, our colleague George Bridges here um, who can speak to how our departments have evaluated what that percentage should be. But I do want to reiterate that 93% is the correct value. And I'm going to turn things over to George for the moment. Thanks. And my question is, what does 93% mean? 93% of what? Good afternoon, Commissioners, Director Slozowski, George Bridges, Contract Compliance Acting Supervisor. Uh, Commissioner Ludlum, I appreciate the question. And this is the as-needed contract, which would have totaled $340,000, and 93% of those went to SBE. 58.1 went to San Francisco-based SBE, and they were also minority business enterprises, 58.1%. And so what was the total dollars of those? 340000 of the total dollars you have in front of you. Okay, got it. Thank you. Um, I don't have further specific questions. Uh, I talked about this uh, in some detail with Thor. Um, it seems, you know, generally expensive, but going through all the all the individual items. I understand why it is where it is. Uh, I will say, I think we could have a uh, more meaningful impact on uh, stimulating the, uh, the economic communities we want to um, by during construction phase, considering uh, GCs who are not city agencies. Um, so I would hope that the staff can explore that when that time comes in a couple of years. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Brackett. I just had um, three quick questions. The first question is, um, what, what, what were the list of the names that were chosen to be voted on? Was it brought down to four or five names? And if so, um, could we hear what those names that the community had to vote on? Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Um, I don't have the, the list of names uh, in front of me. Um, seeing as that has been a process that's been spearheaded by the community, they've been leading that. Um, as I mentioned in my presentation, that's been led by the East Cut Community Benefits District. I can tell you that they started with somewhere around um, 50 to 60 names that came out of the original um, ideation process. And then that was whittled down to, I think, something less than 10. Um, and when they got down to that number and were getting ready to go back out to have a second community meeting, um, it was decided at that time that... Um, Rec Park wanted to reach out to the tribes to give them an opportunity to be involved in the process, and that's where we currently sit. Um, I would like to say that if the tribes chose to play a role in the process, th whatever names we currently have to date would likely or could possibly change. Um, and so it is possible that depending on if the tribes chose to to be involved in this process, that we might have to redo some steps to um, uh, in the ideation process. And I hope that answers your question. 
Yes, partially. Um, so did the outreach happen to the tribes already or is that something that was still being worked on? I can tell you that I checked in with my colleagues at the East Cut CBD um, just last week on this question. Um, the information that I got back from them is that through their conversations with RPD staff, um, RPD staff had reached out to the tribes. Um, we weren't provided with any information back as to whether or not the tribes have expressed an interest thus far, but I have heard that um, they are still trying to reach out. Commissioner Brackett, if I could suggest, um, I think it'd be helpful for uh, the commission and the listening public also for us to provide an informational memorandum uh, on the status of the naming and give some additional detail from the East Coast CBD. I know the commission has expressed interest in uh, that the naming process is representative of the community and leadership of the communities that we operate in, Trans Bay, Mission Bay, et cetera. Uh, and to support the commission in, in that, we will uh, provide some additional information on that. Um, is there a contact person overseeing the specifically at um, the East Cut CBD and put in touch with members if need be. It just seems like um, there's not um, a back and forth communication and process right now. It'd be helpful if um, we can state that and can connect um, you guys with the appropriate person. Yes, I mean, I do know the the lead person at the CBD is um, Mike Rigger. He is the deputy director at the CBD, and I'd be happy to put him in contact with commissioners. Um, Did I hear that correctly? Did I? I'm sorry. Yeah, touch with me. I can definitely get him in contact with some of the um, tribes, local tribes. Okay, I think the other point person is Beverly Ng um, at RPD. So when we make that connection, uh, Commissioner Brackett, I'll be sure to include her in the correspondence. Thank you for that. Um, also, I just wanted to say thank you guys so much for the presentation. It was really awesome hearing all the different elements of the presentation, as well as hearing um, how you guys are gonna be infusing some of the historical pieces in there. Um, just wanted to comment. I know you guys um, said various times that like diversity is really one large portion of the project and um, just wanted to reiterate um, the impact uh, on history of Black Marines as well as Chinese laborers and the building and um, um, and also the um, breaking down of the ships after <laughs> a lot of them were abandoned um, um, shortly after the gold rush period and so would love to see those elements also infused into the project some way somehow so that um, all communities are represented in their histories and our joint histories um, are represented in this project as well. Um, and then my last question um, is basically, I know you guys had um, factored in about 50% um, for the project in terms of overruns, but as we know with inflation and things being the way they are right now, I know that a lot of other departments are putting in 20 to 30% was trying to hear um, if there was a reason why you guys chose a more conservative number for um, the project overrun costs. Yes, I can speak to that, the Commissioner Brackett, as far as the um, the budget. So the 15% contingencies that are layered into the amended MOU are the same percentages of, con uh, of contingencies that we actually included in the uh, 2018 MOU. So we are remaining consistent with in, in that fashion. Um, we don't expect to have to use all of that money, um, but having it there um, is a necessity to ensure 
you know, the the efficient delivery of the project and such if there are costs that come up that we need to address um, that we don't have to come back to the commission for um, uh, another amendment to this MOU. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Commissioner Scott. Thank you. I am um, too just um, amazed and uh, grateful for your presentation, Benjamin, Laura, and Lawrence. Uh, thank you so much. And just in listening at how intentional you are with making sure uh, you really address the historical and cultural presence and that you're open to still if there's any thought of something missed to make sure it's included. And that uh, moves me with the fact that not just doing that and standing still, but making sure it's a safe space, the illuminating and all of that at night and the people's path, then the path for the animals. Um, it all sounds great and um, just seemingly looks good. So I have no other uh, questions or comments to make on that, except just thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. Vice Chair Rosales. Uh, yes, thank you, um, Chair Bustos. Uh, and thank you to all those who presented. Um, I really do love the design and just all elements of the presentation and uh, the interagency collaboration. Um, my one concern uh, is about changes to the design. Um, so the, I just need to have a better understanding as to if there are changes to, to this design, uh, is it the Recreation and Park Department or the Recreation and Park Commission or a collaboration of the Recreation and Park Commission and OCII that would give any final approval to any changes to the design? I think I can take that question, Commissioner Rosales, uh, which is that if there was a change to the park design, um, the park design specifically, then yes, we would possibly have to go back to both the RPD Commission and then also come back before you all um, for approval. I do want to say that earlier this year, in anticipation actually of this milestone moment of getting to this point, we did take the schematic design before the RPD uh, Commission and they did approve it. Um, that the design has remained unchanged, right? So they took their first action, we come to you. The entitlement of the park does not officially occur until this commission takes action on the schematic design. So uh, I hope that addresses your question as to whether or not there was a change to the schematic design. We would definitely have to come back to both commissions. I'd also want to add that if there was a change to the schematic design of the park, we'd have to go back to the, to the community as well. We went through a community process that led to the design of the park. As you heard, there were four community meetings. Um, so we would be obliged to go back out to the community as well as the Transbay CAC um, to seek their approval of any changes. Um, with respect to changes to the streetscape improvements, those would not necessarily have to go back um, to the Rec Park Commission. Um, the schematic design elements of the sidewalks at Clementina and Tahama were included in the RPD Commission's review um, of the schematic design for the project because they abut the park. Um, but changes to Main and Beale or the infrastructure work 
um, that we're doing with San Francisco Public Works and other agencies would not have to go back before um, the RPD Commission. Um, if there were drastic changes in dollar amounts of scopes, uh, which we do not foresee, um, but if those were to occur, we would then be back in front of this body um, to seek an amendment to the MOU and the design as well. Um, but at this point in time, uh, we have we believe we have the scope uh, adequately. We've got our arms around the scope. We believe that's the correct scope that we've brought in front of you um, with the dollars tied to it. Um, and we envision that this amended MOU would take us all the way through to the completion of construction documents and the bidding of the project. Excellent. Thank you. I don't um, have any other questions. Thank you, Vice Chair. I just want to once again thank you all for giving us such a great presentation. Um, I love the design. I thought it was well thought out. Um, and I also really uh, appreciate the historical aspects um, that you're bringing into this this design. Um, I, first, I was a little nervous when you were talking about the process in which the naming would be done. Um, that whole area is a new community. Um, and so many folks may not understand the history of, uh, of that community or of San Francisco. And so that sort of worried me a bit. I, I appreciate um, Commissioner Brackett's um, suggestion that we also look at the Asian American and, and Chinese contributions to the area, because that is a very important uh, contribution. And I also like the fact that you are reaching out to the native tribes. Um, <clears throat> lately, we, we have, and rightly so, we've been incorporating uh, land acknowledgements um, in and what we do, I know at least at Glide, as well as my work at Grace Cathedral, uh, we do that. And, and it's important that we honor. Um, but there's one important piece to, to the land acknowledgement is when we say we honor and respect not only the ancestors, but the descendants. Because remember, Native Americans, as well as others, communities and folks of color um, were treated horribly. And so the fact that we can now honor and understand and respect the descendants, uh, I think is part of the healing process that we so desperately need, not only in this city, but this country and our world. So I appreciate what you all are doing. Um, so with that, commissioners, um, thank you for your uh, questions and comments uh, and for providing such a rich discussion. Um, we will need to take uh, two separate actions um, and we will start with uh, the first action, which would be item number 5D. And I will need a motion as well as a second. Mr. Chair, I move that we conditionally approve of the schematic design transfer block three for the parks. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I would second that motion. Thank you, Commissioner Ludman. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Thank you, Mr. Chair, Commission members, please announce your vote for item 5D. When I call your name, Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales. Aye, excuse me, aye. <coughs> Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5D is five ayes. Thank you, motion carries. 
May I get a motion for item number 5E, as well as a second? Mr. Chair, I move that we authorize an amendment and restated MOU for the streetscape. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? Commissioner Lundeman? I think I'm seeing you speak up. I, I will second that motion. Sure. Thank you, Commissioner. Madam Secretary, please take roll. Commission members, please announce their vote for item 5E when I call your name. Commissioner Brackett. Aye. Commissioner Ludlam. Aye. Commissioner Scott. Aye. Vice Chair Rosales. Aye. And Chair Bustos. Aye. Mr. Chair, the vote for item 5E is five ayes. Thank you, motion carries. And to the staff and presenters, thank you very much once again. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item eight, public comment on non-agenda items. Mr. Chair. Madam Secretary, is there anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment? If there are any members of the public wishing to comment on the non-agenda item, please call 415. 655-0001, enter access code 2496-013-5740, press the pound sign twice to enter the call, then press star three to submit your request to speak. If you are already on the phone with us and would like to provide public comment, please press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Chair, it does not appear we have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Okay, thank you. Hearing no request to speak on this item, I'll close public comment. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item seven, report of the chair. Mr. Chair? There is no report. Please call this next item. The next order of business is item eight, report of the executive director. Item 8A is the status of the Transit Block 4 project discussion. Director Kozlowski. Thank you, Secretary Cruz. And uh, once again, greetings members of the commission, members of the public. Um, I am providing you an update on the project to the negotiations or status of the discussions for the project in Transbay Block 4. Um, as you recall, this was a 681 unit project of 45% of which is planned to be affordable and this project is for a portion of the temporary bus terminal at Howard and Main Streets. We were just talking about Block 3, which is a park that is adjacent to this project. Um, in June 2022, the Commission approved this project uh, with the development team of Heinz, Urban Pacific, and Goldman Sachs, and Mercy Housing is the affordable developer on the project. But this project goes back to 2016 when the city and the Trans Bay Joint Powers Authority or TJPA <coughs> and us, along with this development team, took actions to facilitate two development blocks in the Trans Bay plan area. One is parcel F, and then one is this project block four. For parcel F, that project is uh, culminated in the development agreement with the city, and they executed that development with an in-lieu fee an in-lieu fee for affordable housing that's going to go to block four on the project for OCII with Mercy. And it's to fund the affordable housing on that block. That fee in the 
the development agreement that you approved in June, that fee was going to be turned around and loaned to the project for the affordable housing. So after June 2022, the commission, when the commission approved the project, we began scheduling hearings with the Board of Supervisors to approve the various actions, including an amendment to the Transbay Redevelopment Plan. It was in August of this year that Heinz informed us that they could not progress on parcel F that stalled for them, and they would not be able to provide a letter of credit, which was going to represent um, a credit for the in-lieu fee as required under the parcel F development. And they were not able to deliver on that, which was going to be effective in January 2023. And they cited several factors related to that project, which were impeding their ability to move forward. And so the developer said there were many market factors, including construction, cost escalation, and inflation. They've stated that they've experienced 10% cost escalation in this year compared to nearly 4% in 2020 and 8% in 2021. They do, however, expect this to this escalation to decrease over the upcoming months. They've also cited uh, rapidly rising interest rates, which have increased their cost of capital for projects like this. They've stated that the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates, their target interest rates from 0% at the beginning of March of this year to 4% as of November, 2022. And this has increased their project costs for financing. They also state that their debt financing costs have risen from a pro projected 4% to March in 2022 of nearly 7% today. They expect these interest rates to decline towards the end of 2023. And they also state that the financing for market rate development has really shriveled up and really disappeared for the remainder of 2022. Um, which also hampers any construction or development starts for large projects like this in 2023. And then lastly, they've indicated really the block four project that the way it was approved and on the, in, the, in the current market and on the current schedule doesn't work. And they, they've proceeded, we've proceeded to discuss several changes, potential changes to the development agreement we have with them, excuse me, the disposition and development agreement, not the development agreement, um, including possibly using tax increment money to fund the $46.7 million, which was originally going to come from Parcel F, although that would have remained an obligation of Parcel F. Uh, they, we've been discussing the fixing or the capping of what is called the gap contribution, which is the difference between any sort of subsidies or tax credits and the full project cost. Uh, Heinz would be responsible for that, and they want to fix that cost. They also want addition, they want to provide for a phasing of the project to separate out the mid-rise affordable housing component and the tower component so that the tower could proceed first and that the mid-rise affordable would follow. Uh, previously, they were linked as a simultaneous construction project. Um, they also want to shift the responsibility for construction to the affordable developer, Mercy. Uh, well, that's been talked about at least. And they'd also like some additional time to continue to work on the project uh, for pre-development up to 18 months um, they've asked, or I guess 18 months is what they've asked. And so this is a, is a complex discussion. It would trigger any number of things, including revisiting the $6 million that the land was appraised at. That money, as you know, goes to the TJPA so they could fund uh, their transit center construction and the, the rail system they're building. 
Um, and Hines has asked for a six month process to try and work out uh, terms that could allow for the project to have um, a feasible future. So staff has been discussing this with Hines since August when they've let us know about these conditions. And we wanted to come back to the commission just to let you know we're continuing to talk to them um, because in June you had approved something that in January was gonna become an effective go-to uh, time for the DDA. And since that wasn't happening, we wanted the commission to know. Um, we'll be back to you hopefully between uh, January and March with an update on this um, and the status of the discussions. There's more to my report, but I'm gonna pause there to allow for the commission to ask questions and for public comment. Thank you, Director. Um, Madam Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to provide a comment? At this time, if there are any members of the public wishing to comment on uh, the report of the ED, please call 415-655-0001, enter access code 2496-013-5740, press the pound sign twice to enter the call, then press star three to submit your request to speak. You're already on the phone and would like to provide public comment on this item. Please press star three on your mobile devices. Mr. Chair, we do not have any members of the public wishing to comment on this item. Okay, so director, we'll have you proceed before we get into any questions or comments from um, um, the commission. Um, Mr. Chair, if I could uh, just ask some point of order uh, from General Counsel Morales, should should the commission's questions proceed now or should they wait till the end of my report? Director Kozlowski, uh, can go either way. It's fine to, to wait until the end. Excellent. Okay, thank you, Chair Bustos. So yeah, regarding the other elements of um, my report, I wanted to let the commission know about various community um, gatherings and events happening in our project areas or that would be of interest to our commission. Um, and I have a, a number of holiday events that I wanna let the commission know about. They may be aware already, but this is for yourselves and the listening public, of course. Um, at the crossing, which is the activation that is occurring at the temporary terminal uh, on Howard and Maine, um, they're, they're doing a number of things on December 13th and 14th, and that um, is the uh, World Cup semifinals they'll be showing uh, during the day, uh, starting at 11 a.m. Going back just a little bit, December 11th, they're holding a winter festival. Uh, it's an annual winter festival that the East Cut CBD holds. That's on December 11th from 3 to 6. Also going out to Bayview on December 15th, the Bayview Opera House at 4705 3rd Street is holding a Winter Wonderland event in the evening, starting at 5 p.m. Also in Bayview on December 16th, there's a holiday, excuse me, not, my apologies, not in Bayview, in the Fillmore. Uh, on December 16th, there's a holiday market uh, happening on Fillmore, on Fillmore Street, at O'Farrell Street, starting at 5 o'clock. And then also on December 16th, in Bayview, starting at three o'clock, there's an event at the Bayview Library, another holiday night event. So those are the number of community events ongoing. I wanna thank Jasmine Quo and Aaron Foxworthy who 
help monitor the events in these various uh, project areas. Also want to provide just a couple of highlights of the year, since this is our final commission meeting for the year. Um, the commission has been busy, staff have been busy. Um, you selected me as the new executive director in May, and there was a lot of work going on prior to, but in this year, a number of major events occurred for the commission and OCII. Um, there were parks in Mission Bay, Park P22, which is adjacent to the Chase Arena. That broke ground. You also broke ground on the Mission Bay School, one of the new schools in, I think, in two decades, as was told to us by the school district. Uh, that broke ground in um, the Mission Bay area. That's part of the Mission Bay plan. Also, uh, Block 9A in Mission Bay, which is 148 units of home ownership. Um, that is led by a black development team, black led nonprofit as well. That'll uh, break, excuse me, that'll be open in 2024. We also were awarded tax credits for three projects in the Hunters Point shipyard first phase. Uh, and that'll culminate in just over 180 units of affordable housing breaking ground in 2023 for next year. But you, that was awarded this year as well, along with the schematic design approvals. In Mission Bay on block nine, 141 units of housing was opened up for formerly homeless individuals and people are moving in as we speak. Over 80 individuals have moved into that, to that building. And so OCII is helping uh, with homelessness in San Francisco with, through that project. Also in Mission Bay and Block 6 West, there's a childcare center that opened up in May of this year. Uh, and that's being operated by Kai Ming. Um, again, that's another affordable housing project that's with Mercy. Also opened up in Mission Bay was a park at P3, which is adjacent to Third Street, right behind Block 1 in the Third Street Bridge facing the channel. And that was a long-awaited park, a uh, very stunning park. I was there at the opening. And so I just want to applaud the commission and, and the work of all the staff to get this going. This year was quite busy despite COVID restrictions. Um, and I'm just... Uh, Really pleased to be able to relay that report to you as a year-end close. That concludes my report. Thank you. Thank you, Director. And we are so happy uh, that you're here and so happy that the staff has done such a great work uh, throughout this year. So, um, Commissioners, are there any questions related to the report? Um, if we have any, please speak up now. Um, the one I did have one question regarding the report, um, Thor, um, in the sense I know there was some mention about potentially asking um, for the commission to not only um, make some larger changes to the DDA, but also to possibly um, allow them to um, build market rate first and potentially um, build the affordable housing second. Um, and um, just wanting to hear about that a little bit more because my thoughts on that are that's a no-go, you know, considering um, how many times we've already kind of um, extended the calendar with this and um, the l reluctance to um, really um, stick to the affordable housing um, promises of the past. So just wanting to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. Um, that is just, again, it's an idea. It's not something we have agreed to. 
Um, and it sounds like from your comment that that's not something you're interested in or you want to ensure that if there were a sequence, some sort of sequence adjustment that the affordable housing was assured of its delivery. The idea of sequencing it um, is related to the shared podium design that the project has um, and the inability to find financing or the difficulty to find financing for the tower portion um, and that leading so that when that is fully financed, you know that you can then begin applying for the tax credits and be competitive in your affordable housing um, application process. Um, so that that seems to be the basis for the desire to, to try and create a different sequencing versus everything being held together uh, at once. But we haven't, just to be clear, we haven't agreed to that. I just wanted to let the commission know the types of things that were being discussed. Thank you for that clarification. Any other questions or comments? All right, hearing none. Thank you, Thor. Madam Secretary, please call the next item. Madam Secretary. Sorry, I was on mute. The next order of business is Commissioners, questions and matters. Okay, um, commissioners, any questions or comments? Um, if not, I, I I do have something I just want to um, share with this commission. Um, oh, yes. It looks like Commissioner Rosales had her hand up. Oh, okay, no? sorry, Vice Chair Rosales. I was just going to wish everyone. Uh, you know, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, et cetera, um, um, and Happy New Year. But that's it. Um, anybody else um, before I say anything? Well, yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Bavette. You go first, Dr. Scott. I've spoken um, a lot of times. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I won't be able to join you all on um, Thursday due to a funeral for an extended family member, but my um, holiday greetings and wishes for you all um, for the ending of this year that's not been easy with the transition and hopefully um, to Thor as our executive and our chair Busto, I'm hoping that we could do something different and start the year off together with um, the same ending, coming together to start a new year. Um, something new that we could do in looking at this new year that's coming forth. So, um, yeah, because I'm going to really miss. It's just dreadful, but it's something I can't change. But, um, and also, Alex Ledlam, you're the only one I don't have your cell number. If you would give Jamie permission to share. Um, but in hopes and greetings for you all. Thank you so much for the commission service to you. Thank you. Commissioner Brackett. Um, I just wanted to make sure I ended off the year just thanking the staff um, of OCII. They're small but mighty. They do a lot of work and work with so many other city departments. And I just wanted to acknowledge all of the work that they've done, not just this year, but during the pandemic. Um, also to Jamie and our new executive director, and just wanna say how honored I am to sit on this commission with so many hardworking people that make our jobs easier and uh, make it easy for us to 
remain informed and get our questions answered when we need them so that we can make the best decisions on behalf of the public. And so, again, I just want to say hats off to you all. Happy holidays and looking forward to another amazing 2023. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. I would uh, also like to echo everyone's comments of thanks. Uh, I'm and I'm grateful for the warm welcome I've received from the staff and fellow commissioners. Uh, look forward to working with everyone in 2023. Happy holidays. And uh, Jamie, yes to sharing my cell phone number. Okay. Thank you, Commissioner. We'll do that. Thank you, Commissioner. Um, I just want to thank everybody for just an incredible year. Um, thank Jamie. Um, thank um, our General Counsel Morales uh, for stepping in when we needed him. Um, and Thor, just thank you for coming back and for saying yes to CII once again. Um, your your steady hand, your wisdom, um, your calmness um, it is definitely appreciated by us. Um, and to the rest of the staff, I just you know we are all just so proud of the work that happens here. I know a lot of times we ask a lot of questions, and we're a little nosy sometimes, but uh, know that. Um, as public servants, like you all are, uh, we truly care um, about what happens in our city and for our people. Uh, lastly, I just, um, I want us to, to end um, this commission meeting uh, really in, in the spirit and the memory of um, our vice chair's mom who passed away. Um, Mara's mother was a community leader, uh, a sage, wise woman who gave so much um, to San Francisco, the city that she loved, and raised incredible daughters um, who continue to give that love that she had for the city. So uh, I would love for us to, to end in her memory, um, if that's okay. With that privilege, we can do that. Uh, Mara, we love you. We care yes. about you. We are with you. Um, we are a family in this commission, in this agency, and so just know that we have you in our hearts, especially during times like this. So know you're not alone. Um, with that, um, uh, Madam Secretary, please call the next item. The next order of business is item 10, closed session. There are no closed session items. And the last order of business is item 11, adjournment. Mr. Chair. All right, fellow commissioners, we will need a motion to adjourn this last meeting of 2022 in memory of Mrs. Rosales. Um, may I have a motion? Mr. Chair, I move that the meeting be adjourned in memory of Mara's precious beloved mom, and uh, her services to this city, her love for her family and the family's love for her, I would like for us to adjourn with the memory of Mara's mom. Thank you, Commissioner Scott. May I have a second? I second the motion. Thank you, Commissioner Brackett. So ladies and gentlemen, we are adjourning this meeting at 3.03 p.m.
Thank you all. I had a wonderful, incredible holiday season. Till next year. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you on behalf of my family.